So last weekend we had the uh, our book club discussion of Thin Blue Smoke. If you didn't read it, um, I recommend highly that you read it. And I think, I think both Laura and Allie, who are there, would agree, right? Like we we highly recommend it. It was a really great read. Um, it's long, yes, but it's worth it. Um, and we had a really great discussion when we were talking about um, what had stood out to us from the book and what was meaningful and what was significant and what resonated. It was interesting to hear our different perspectives and like different things that stood out to us. And as we were discussing, one of the things that um, that I noticed or I was reminded of was that the things that stood out to us um, we're different because we bring different stories into our reading, right? We have different perspectives and we have different experiences and we have different backgrounds. And because of that, um, the way that we read the story was a little bit different. So like the characters that we resonated with, um, you know, for example, there was one character I resonated with because of um, his family story. It, it reminded me a little bit of my family story and it was like, I feel compassion for this person um, and I feel... Um, you know, affection for this person because of the way his family story played out. Um, and and it was interesting to hear the other people's reactions too, um, to the different characters and to what stood out to them and, and why it was meaningful. And it seemed to me that in general, um, as I said, the, the people that we resonated with in the story, it was because it like touched on something in our lives. Like something about their story touched on something in our lives, whether it was an experience we'd had, or maybe it was a loved one who had had a similar experience, or maybe it connected with the work that we do or um, academic background, but something about it touched on something we've experienced elsewhere. Um, and that created a greater sense of connection to the story. Um, it reflected something for us that was like either tender or significant in our own lives. And that's something that I think um, as humans, we, we, we do react differently to stories. Like we, we read books or we watch movies or we see TV shows and we connect with different characters. You can watch a TV show and, um, with a friend and you'll each come away with a different character that you like the best or you'll each come away with um, a different plot point that you really liked or that you really didn't like. And I think a lot of that has to do with our stories. Um, and sometimes we have a hard time when someone else's interpretation or the way someone else reacts to a character or a plot point is different than our own. Um, you know, like for example, I can think of um, if there's a TV show that me and a close friend really like and like there's one character that I love and that, you know, my friend hates that character. It's like, how can you hate them? Like, look at their story, look at their history, look at what they bring to this. Yeah, they made that terrible choice, but look at why. And, um, and it can be really difficult. We can get kind of entrenched in our own little like interpretation of what, what you should get from the story. Like, what should you see? How should you interpret it? How should it feel to you? Um, and I think that media kind of plays on that. Like, m most of the time, I think, movies or books or TV shows or what have you, um, they kind of tell you who you should like and who you shouldn't. Like, most of the time, like, there's a pretty clear protagonist and pretty clear antagonist or several, um, and you kind of know who you're supposed to be rooting for and who is supposed to be the villain character. Um, and occasionally, I think, some of the more nuanced stories 
there are characters that are deeply flawed, but you still end up rooting for them anyway. Um, or they're sort of like the anti-hero, like I guess Deadpool comes to mind, where it's like, um, not the world's greatest person, you know, but, but you see the way that his story developed and who he turned into. Um, <clears throat> and I think... Um, as I was thinking about that, I decided I want us to do a little, it's going to be a little different this morning. We're going to do a little bit of an experiment with a story. So I'm going to read a story from the Bible. And as soon as I start reading it, you're probably going to recognize it. I'm telling you that in advance because I want you to do your best to not jump ahead in the story and already make your interpretations. Do your best to just try to follow the story along and try to hear it as though it's the first time you've heard it. So you've never heard it before. Um, so we're going to read it and listen to it mindfully. So sometimes for things like that, it makes it easier if you like close your eyes or if you like find something in the room to focus on to soften your gaze just so that you can focus just on the words I'm saying and the story I'm reading and try not to get ahead of it. Okay, so. Okay, thank you. <clears throat> is that better? Ooh, that is louder, okay. Now I can hear it. <clears throat> all right. So do what you, we're gonna all we're gonna do this a little bit differently. We're gonna like take a couple deep breaths and we're gonna like get in a space where we can listen really well. Okay. So take a couple deep breaths. Not shallow breaths. We all breathe very shallow. Try to make them belly breaths. Your belly should rise and fall when you breathe. And if it works for you, close your eyes so that you can listen really well or find a space in the room that you can focus your eyes on and your attention so that you can just listen to the words of the story. Once there was this man who had two sons. One day, the younger son came to his father and said, Father, eventually I'm going to inherit my share of your estate. Rather than waiting until you die, I want you to give me my share now. And so the father liquidated assets and divided them. A few days passed, and this younger son gathered all his wealth and set off on a journey to a distant land. Once there, he wasted everything he owned on wild living. He was broke. A terrible famine struck that land, and he felt desperately hungry and in need. He got a job with one of the locals who sent him into the fields to feed the pigs. The young man felt so miserably hungry that he wished he could eat the slop the pigs were eating. Nobody gave him anything. So he had this moment of self-reflection. What am I doing here? Back home, my father's hired servants have plenty of food. Why am I here starving to death? I'll get up and return to my father and say, Father, I have done wrong, wrong against God and against you. I have forfeited any right to be treated like your son, but I'm wondering if you'd treat me as one of your hired servants. So he got up and returned to his father. The father looked off in the distance and saw the young man returning. He felt compassion for his son and ran out to him, enfolded him in an embrace, and kissed him. The son said, Father, I have done a terrible wrong in God's sight and in your sight too. I have forfeited any right to be treated as your son. But the father turned to his servants and said, Quick, bring the best robe we have and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and shoes on his feet. 
Go get the fattest calf and butcher it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. Because my son was dead and is alive again, he was lost and has been found. So they had this huge party. Now the man's older son was still out in the fields working. He came home at the end of the day and heard music and dancing. He called one of the servants and asked what was going on. The servant said, your brother has returned and your father has butchered the fattest calf to celebrate his safe return. The older brother got really angry and refused to come inside. So his father came out and pleaded with him to join the celebration. But he argued back, listen, all these years I've worked hard for you. I've never disobeyed one of your orders. But how many times have you ever given me even a little goat to roast for a party for my friends? Not once. This is not fair. So this son of yours comes, this wasteful delinquent who has spent your hard-earned wealth on loose women, and what do you do? You butcher the fattest calf from our herd. The father replied, My son, you are always with me, and all I have is yours. Isn't it right to join in the celebration and be happy? This is your brother we're talking about. He was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found again. So I heard this story like a thousand times growing up, as probably a lot of us did. And when I was growing up and I heard the story, there was a pretty clear interpretation, and there was a pretty clear way that I was supposed to relate to the story. I was supposed to be the son, the prodigal son who ran away, and I was supposed to be, you know, so supposed to have realized the error of my ways and turned back to the Father who is God, and, um, you know, just thrown myself at God's feet and been grateful that God welcomed me back which is fine, but I never really felt much like the prodigal son. <laughs> I, was a, I was a goody two-shoes, which is probably super shocking. Um, I, like, I think the most rebellious thing I ever did was I skipped class once in high school. Um, one singular class, not like a whole day, just like one, one class that I didn't have to be in. It was like one of those, it, well, I don't know if other people had this, but I had this, it was like an elective. I was like creating my own class. And so I would go in and check in with the teacher and tell her I was there, and then I'd take a beanbag chair and sit outside, and I was supposed to read. And one day I didn't stay and read. I, like, went to get coffee at Starbucks or something. So super rebellious kid. Um, real wild side. Um, but that's who I was supposed to, I was supposed to relate to the prodigal son, to the rebellious one, right? Because, like, the, the way that I was taught the story is that the father in the story represents God. And the prodigal son is all of us because we've all sinned. And then we, you know, get welcomed back in when we turn to God and realize the error of our ways and so on and so forth. And then God throws a big party for us, which is fine. Um, but I always found myself resonating more with the older brother, <laughs> the one out in the fields. And it felt like that was wrong. Like I shouldn't resonate with the older brother, right? Because like the older brother doesn't, the, the story doesn't, wrap up. At the end, the older brother just kind of yells and like has a temper tantrum and the father or God character is like, hey, you should be celebrating. 
you've been with me this whole time and now this other person who is your relative who you're connected to who is part of your family also gets to be here with me all the time so we should celebrate but we don't see any sort of resolution on the older brother we don't see the older brother like realize the error of his ways and say you're right I have been sort of entitled or privileged or I have you know I am being sort of self-righteous and you know maybe I should welcome this other person um, it just sort of ends like that's it um, and and so the reason I wanted us to read it this way was because I think that sometimes <clears throat> the the stories that we have heard from the Bible over time, the stories that we have heard over and over and over again, um, there's sort of this assumed interpretation we're supposed to have. And there's sort of this assumed place, like we're supposed to put ourselves in this particular character's position. That's who we represent. And God represents, you know, or this character represents God. And, you know, whatever. These other characters often represent, like, people who don't believe in God or non-Christians or someone who's othered. Um, but I don't think that that's how stories work. I think that it makes it really difficult for us to learn to stories, to learn from stories if we don't authentically interact with them. And I think what it means to authentically interact with them means that we listen to them and we notice how we react. Who do we feel like in the story? Whose character do we really, really like? Whose character do we really, really not like? What are the plot points of the story that stand out to us? What are the things that make sense? What are the things that really bother us? Um, because, you know, a couple weeks ago, I talked about um, stories and how they can be powerful in helping us um, welcome others and how they can be powerful in helping us connect with other people and um, they can help us stop othering other people. They can help us um, widen our embrace to welcome more people. But I think stories also have another function that we sometimes miss. I think they tell us about ourselves, too. I think that the way that we respond to stories and the way that we hear stories tells us something about us. It tells us what are the tender parts in me that still need some healing? What are the tender parts in me that still need more love? What are the prickly parts in me that aren't very kind to others or don't have compassion? What are the parts of myself that I reject and I don't like? Have you ever found yourself watching a movie or, or reading a book and really bristling at a character and later realizing it was because they reflected something about you that you don't like about yourself? <laughs> or those of us who have kids, maybe we've noticed that in our kids, that there's some character trait of our kids that we see and we don't like it and it bothers us and and then we realize, wow, they are reflecting me back to me. And that's a part of me that I reject. And so the reason I wanted to read the story like this is because um, when it comes down to it, stories are about learning and growth. And I don't think there's a prescribed way that we need to respond to them. I think that um, if we really spend time sitting with a story and really experiencing what it's like to hear that story, not only can it open our compassion to others, but it can open our compassion to ourselves as well. Um, this came to mind for me when, um, I don't know if any of you have, have read this book. I had to read it for grad school, The Return of the Prodigal Son by Henry Nouwen. It's awesome. I highly recommend it. It's a pretty quick read. Um, but one of the things that was kind of illuminating for me about this book is that 
the author interacts with the story of the prodigal son, but not just from one perspective, like this is who I'm supposed to be or this is who you're supposed to be in the story. The author interacts with the story from every perspective. This is the part of the prodigal son that's in me. This is the part of the older son that's in me. And this is the part of the father that's in me, because I think that's a big part with this story in particular that we miss, is that we all have some of the father in us too. We all have relationships in our lives, um, either now or in the past or in the future. We have all experienced this, or we all will experience this, where there is a relationship where there's some brokenness, and we want there to be reconciliation and healing, and we want there um, to be redemption. And we have compassion for that person. But for whatever reason, there are barriers to that happening. There are barriers to the relationship um, being redeemed. And we are all, at times, that father waiting, waiting for the opportunity to embrace someone that we love with whom there's a relational break. When I, <laughs> when I grew up in the church I grew up in, I wasn't allowed to be the father because that's God. But we all have the divine spark in us. We all have God in us. We all have compassion in us, and we all have love in us. Um, and if God is love, then our love comes from God, and therefore when we have compassion for others and we have love for others, that's that father spirit from the prodigal story. And at different times and in different places, we may respond um, differently to the characters. Maybe there's a period of time where if I read the story, the prodigal son is really going to stand out to me. Maybe it's going to be the angry older brother who's sort of self-righteous and um, really wants justice, wants justice to be served. Um, and maybe other times it's going to be the father. But I think that um, when we approach stories like this, we really have the opportunity to listen into our own spirits and notice what strikes us. It becomes really rote sometimes. We hear stories that we've heard over and over and over again. And um, if you've had sort of this experience of like a prescribed interpretation of a story, then it's really easy to go with that, right? Like the prescribed interpretation is whatever it is. Um, and that's why I wanted us to read it and listen to the story mindfully and really notice what stood out. Um, and we're going to do it again, actually. We're going to listen to it mindfully again. Um, because when we let ourselves listen and be present with the story, then we do learn about ourselves. We learn about the pieces of ourselves that need to be acknowledged, maybe, that we're ignoring or pieces of ourselves that need a little extra compassion, um, pieces of ourselves that, for whatever reason, we've been told don't belong in that story. So we're going to read it one more time. Um, and again, I'm going to ask you to take a couple deep breaths. And if it feels comfortable to you, close your eyes while you listen or find some place to rest your gaze so that it can be softened and you can just focus on the words. Just try to immerse yourself in the story. And this time, um, really try to focus on noticing what stands out to you, what's stirring in your spirit as you hear it. Once there was this man who had two sons. 
One day, the younger son came to his father and said, Father, eventually I'm going to inherit my share of your estate. Rather than waiting until you die, I want you to give me my share now. And so the father liquidated assets and divided them. A few days passed, and this younger son gathered all his wealth and set off on a journey to a distant land. Once there, he wasted everything he owned on wild living. He was broke. A terrible famine struck that land, and he felt desperately hungry and in need. He got a job with one of the locals who sent him into the fields to feed the pigs. This young man felt so miserably hungry that he wished he could eat the slop the pigs were eating. Nobody gave him anything. So he had this moment of self-reflection. What am I doing here? Back home, my father's hired servants have plenty of food. Why am I here starving to death? I'll get up and return to my father and I'll say, Father, I have done wrong, wrong against God and against you. I have forfeited any right to be treated like your son. But I'm wondering if you treat me as one of your hired servants. So he got up and returned to his father. The father looked off in the distance and saw the young man returning. He felt compassion for his son and ran out to him, enfolded him in an embrace, and kissed him. The son said, Father, I have done a terrible wrong in God's sight and in your sight too. I have forfeited any right to be treated as your son. But the father turned to his servants and said, Quick, bring the best robe we have and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and shoes on his feet. Go get the fattest calf and butcher it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. Because my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and has been found. So they had this huge party. Now the man's older son was still out in the fields working. He came home at the end of the day and heard music and dancing. He called one of the servants and asked what was going on. The servant said, your brother has returned and your father has butchered the fattest calf to celebrate his safe return. The older brother got really angry and refused to come inside, so his father came out and pleaded with him to join the celebration. But he argued back, listen, all these years I've worked hard for you. I've never disobeyed one of your orders. But how many times have you even given me a little goat to roast for a party with my friends? Not once. This is not fair. So this son of yours comes, this wasteful delinquent, who has spent your hard-earned wealth on loose women, and what do you do? You butcher the fattest calf from our herd. The father replied, My son, you are always with me, and all I have is yours. Isn't it right to join in the celebration and be happy? This is your brother we're talking about. He was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found again. So about this story in particular, and about stories in general, I'm wondering, um, just take a couple minutes to think about who is it that you connected with right now at this time in your life. How do you feel about connecting with that particular person in the story? Is that who you want to connect with, or would you prefer to connect with someone else? And what might the invitation be for you in your story and in your place right now? The invitation for growth or for healing or for learning 
or for self-compassion. Because who we connect with in stories, not only does it teach us about ourselves, but it provides us with an invitation to speak to a part of ourselves that needs to be heard. And it provides us with an invitation to learn about ourselves. When we um, hear a story that makes us angry, doesn't necessarily mean it's because um, something bad has happened. Maybe it has. But it might be because there's something inside of us that became afraid or feels scared or sad or discouraged. When we hear a story and we respond with um, anger, maybe it's because we see reflected in that story something about ourselves that we want to reject. Or maybe it's because we feel that some injustice has been done that may be similar to injustice that's been done to us. So we're going to just spend some time talking about this story and about who stood out to you, what you connected with. Maybe you have a history with the story. Maybe you um, grew up in an environment like me where there was like one prescribed person you were supposed to connect with. And maybe, like me, you didn't particularly <laughs> connect with that person. Um, what I learned for myself is that because I didn't realize that my reaction to the story was teaching me about myself, because I thought that I was supposed to have a particular reaction to the story, instead of learning about myself from hearing the story, I would just get upset with myself. Like, why don't I feel like that character? That's the character I'm supposed to feel like. Um, but once we recognize that, it, that our reaction teaches us something about ourselves, then we can move forward with it. So, um, I'm going to turn the recorder off and we're going to just have a discussion.